You're listening to the Let's Be Real podcast. Now, here's your host, Andy Hughes. Our guest right now is a very strong leader. She's the founder and CEO of a company called Strength Leader Development, as well as the new vice president of systems and process integration of the John Maxwell Enterprises. We're very pleased to welcome Deb Ingino to the Let's Be Real podcast. Deb, thank you so much for joining. How are you? Hey, Andy, I am great. And thanks so much for this opportunity to be able to connect with you. I'm so happy we have this opportunity to talk to you. Uh, you put out so so much great content uh, with, with Strength Leader as well as John Maxwell now. First, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and maybe more about your path to becoming the founder and CEO of Strength Leader as well as now the, the John Maxwell organization? Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll have to give you the thumbnail sketch of that <laughs> one. <laughs> so, so. I was actually born and raised in the Bronx in New York City, and I'm the oldest of seven kids. But here's the funny thing. I grew up in a two-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment in the Bronx. So we had a girl bedroom, we had a boy's bedroom, my parents slept on a pull-out sofa. And, I, and I, as I look back today at my life growing up, you know, I was wired very differently. I had very different strengths than the rest of my family. And in the early days, it was really challenging for them and for me because they didn't quite get me. And mm -hmm. I, I realize now that a lot of my need and desire and sort of focus on bringing strong leadership and helping others to reach their own potential, as I think of it, it really started way back then as a child. Of course, we couldn't see it back then, right? <laughs> but when you look back at the breadcrumbs along the way, when you turn around and you look back, you're like, well, that's where that was leading to. Who knew? So that's, that was sort of my early history. And then I was in the corporate world for about 20, well, actually for about 30 years, 23 of them with one company. And in that company, I had the amazing blessed opportunity to be able to create startup teams in countries all over the world that now serve customers in 80 countries. And during that experience, Andy, was when my leadership was tested the most and grew the most. So that's sort of how I ultimately decided that I was gonna start my own company. I had always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And for me, I just knew that I, while I loved what I did in my corporate role as the VP of global ops for a company here, headquartered in New York, a global company called Marshawn Eyewear, I just knew that the part of the job I loved the most, that I lived for, was developing leaders and teams so that we could have scalability in the organization to grow. So that was sort of my, my catalyst to wanting to start my own business. That's really cool. And that's a cool story. Thanks for sharing. Uh, it's really cool that, you know, you're able to look back on your childhood and, and pull that and, and say, wow, that was, that's where that came from, like you said. So that's really interesting. Now, um, as you've developed and, you know, became the CEO and the founder of the strength leader and, and John and also working with John Maxwell, what are some of the biggest lessons that, that you've learned along the way? Oh, boy. Pretty much every lesson was a big one because, <laughs> because you know, um, growing up, 
especially coming from a very, very low socioeconomic uh, family, the, the real key, there was no discussion of college. The key was hurry up, graduate from high school and get yourself a job so you can contribute back to the family in some way. And I, you know, back in the 80s and such, I was kind of banging my head against the wall and learning the hard way, right? They call that the school of hard knocks. And then in uh, the early 90s, I was at a biz conference and I heard John Maxwell speak. And, and I started to become a student of his material. So back then it was books and VHS tapes and cassette tapes, that's how old I am. But, but ultimately, the lessons I started to learn through John's material was that number one, this was a big one for me, because I'm a results-driven person. I like to conclude things. I like to sort of say, what's the target? What's the goal? Let's get it done. Business is finished, right? So the first thing I learned from John was that as a leader, we never arrive. <laughs> that, that as long as we're breathing, there's still room for growth. So that for me was like a major revelation because I would look at leaders across the globe and business and just in life in general. And I would say, oh boy, they've arrived. They're done. You know, they, there's nothing more that they could, there's no other area they can grow in. And I learned that big leadership lesson from John. The, 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 other, um, the other leadership lesson I learned, Andy, is probably one of the most difficult lessons for me personally. And that was when I took an assessment tool, we have the Maxwell Method uh, of, of DISC, the Maxwell mm -hmm. Method of Communication Impact Report. And, and one of the pages in there has what we call the power disc. And it re rates our ability to influence people and outcomes. So how do we lead people or how do we lead outcomes in seven different ways? One of the things I had read and heard through the years, especially from John, was that relatability, the ability to connect well with other people, was a very important leadership aspect. And I was excited the very first time I got my report and I looked at it and I saw my relatability was really low. <laughs> and I thought, oh no, I am sunk. Like, First of all, it must be an accident that I was able to lead up until now. And then secondly, how on earth am I going to be able to go out into the marketplace if I really can't relate to other people? Mm -hmm. And the, the second biggest leadership lesson I learned, frankly, was from John, was that everyone communicates, few connect. But that really great connector, so these are people who they put their biases to the side, they put their natural inclination like I have to get results at all costs to the side, mm -hmm. that they are, they find a way to find common ground. And for some people, that is natural for them. My husband is one of those individuals, he runs a school for emotionally disturbed children here in New York. He is naturally gifted in finding common ground. It's not so natural for me. I had to learn how to work hard at that. So for me, Andy, those are the top two leadership lessons. The first is that we never arrive at, at, as leaders, that growth is gonna be constant. 
And that's kind of exciting for me because that means there's always sort of something new to explore. And the second was a little bit less exciting and more painful, <laughs> which was I really had to learn and grow in that area of connecting with other people in a more relatable way. Yeah, those are fantastic lessons, and I love the love both of them. But I, I can definitely relate to the uh, the growth one because I I think that is exciting. You're right. I mean, you can always learn something every day, and I think that's great. I mean, you're always developing, you're always helping yourself, and and you're also helping others. So uh, I love that. Now, um, one thing that I love that you talked about. Um, on a video that I saw, you, you talked about this concept of customer service reps versus customer service champions. And I was really moved by this. Could you talk yeah. a little bit about that and the importance of not just building customer service reps, but building a culture where you have a bunch of customer service champions? Yeah. I, man, you just hit on one of my favorite topics. And it's because when, when you look at businesses, you know, when you look at, let's use products, let's put services to the side for a moment, but if you look at commodities and products, a product is a product, like toilet paper is toilet paper, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so in the world today, the difference maker is going to be things like marketing, pricing, and service. And marketing, yeah, that's always a sort of this changing, morphing strategy, Pricing, if we only look at pricing as the way into a market, we are now locked in as either the bottom feeder or the top feeder or somewhere in the middle. But service is the thing that people will pay a little bit more money for. And despite maybe not having the best ads or marketing strategies in the world, when people experience us, if they really see that we are their champion, we're in their corner that they will do business with us for a very long time. In fact, this came out of when I was working in the eyewear industry, you know, we did ophthalmolic, ophthalmolic frames and sunglasses, but under all these different brands, Bendy, Calvin Klein, Nike, Michael Kors, Disney, so all, Valentino, Bendy, all these great brands. But the thing that made us very different in the marketplace was the fact that we focused on outserving our competitors. And that strategy helped to grow this business, that business from, gosh, when I started with them, probably about $45 million in business. And when I left them in uh, 2011, um, close to $600 million in business. And, and it was because that marketing strategy and the CEO at the time, Al Berg, said customer service has to be one of the foundational pieces of this business for it to grow and be successful. And I saw the fruit of that. I helped drive that growth and that strategy. And since then, I have become such a strong advocate to my clients and to the world about great client service, great client support. It's not about what can I sell you, That'll come as long as I first start with how can I serve you? And when we come at business from a place of servant leadership first, and then what and how can I sell you? It's not let me sell you on what I need to sell because today's 
the day we have a special price or I get a special commission or I get mm -hmm. a special sort of gold star. It's tell me more about what you need, what your business needs. And if I have something that will serve you in that way, man, I can't wait to tell you about it. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's really important too, is, is really listening and identifying what the, you know, what the needs are, you know, what the customer wants, what they need, and really focus on that customer service experience, because that could really turn things around, especially if it's maybe their first time um, reaching out to a company and, you know, that you have that wow customer experience, they're going to remember that. And on the flip side, they're also going to remember if it's not good. So that That's really right. just reinforces how important it is to have those customer service champions. Can I use a quick example for you? Absolutely. We love examples. <laughs> and You know, I would love to say this was brilliance on my part, but this was more accidental on my part. When I first launched into my business, um, and this is true, I think, for any department or any company, any size business, I was really trying to see how can I differentiate myself out there because no one really knew me, you know? So what I did was for each, in each proposal, and I still do this today, that I have on the bottom of every proposal I send, it's what I call my integrity in business uh, statement. And it reads, if for any reason, while doing business with me, you become dissatisfied in either how I'm serving your organization or the way I'm serving your organization, you let me know right away and I will change it. And if I can't, I will refund your money in full. And that one statement in the beginning, because again, no one really knew me, but it was putting my money where my mouth was, right? It was saying, hey, I feel so strongly that I will so overserve you <laughs> that, um, you know, you just know that if for some reason you're not happy, I'll give you all your money back. Like I have no problem with that. And that, was such a difference maker, Andy, as I was launching out and clients that had been doing businesses with very large organizations like Adele Carnegie started to say yes to me instead because they knew there was zero risk and how courageous of someone to say, yeah, I'll just, I'll eat all the cost if you're not happy. And you want to know how many refund checks I've ever had to write? Zero. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> because, Pete, you know, when you, when you come at it from a focus of I am your champion, I'm in your corner, yeah. I will so exceed your expectations, not because I'm trying to show off or I'm trying to not have to write your refund check, but because it's the right thing to do. People absolutely respect that and respond to it. And I have had clients now since 2011 because of it. That's awesome. Yeah, I love absolutely love that. That's a great story, great example that you presented. So thanks for sharing that. And one of the other things that I know um, is one of the things that you like to talk about is, and, and I love it as well, you, you say, you talk about how people need to lead with strengths. And I think this is really important to, you know, if you have a team, focus on the strengths of the team and look, maybe look at each individual, see what their strengths are. How important is that in order to lead a team and, you know, eventually lead an organization? Yeah, yeah. I will say that it's very interesting to me. I'm a great observer of history. 
and especially of very successful people in history. And they lead very differently. Like Winston Churchill led very differently than Abraham Lincoln. Okay. <laughs> so let's just use those as two examples. Uh, but both were immensely successful. And it's because they took their natural area of giftedness. And instead of trying to be like somebody else, they became the best version of themselves and brought the full, the full velocity of their own strengths to what they did. So with Abraham Lincoln, it was sort of this quiet, strong, but very uh, seemingly, seemingly reserved leader who, once he dug his heels in on an issue, was unrelenting. Winston Churchill was very different. Winston Churchill led in a very overtly strong way. And the times, actually, if you think about it, during World War II, it required that of him. He needed to be able to have that strong presence that gave people confidence. And if I think about you know, leaders in business, very similarly, how they lead is very different. I had the honor of, um, of uh, working on an SAP project when Bill McDermott was the CEO. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did a big bang global um, uh, implementation across all these different markets simultaneously, same day, same hour. It was a wonderful experience for me. And, and I noticed Bill's style of leadership was very different, for example, than a Jack Welsh. And both of them were incredibly successful in business and in driving growth. How they approached it, when, when we take how we're naturally wired and we use that as our lead-in, first of all, our capacity is so much higher. The ease in which we can implement or execute is exponential. And people can feel, literally feel in a room that we are comfortable in our own skin, that I'm not trying to be a poser. I'm not trying to be anything that I'm not. I'm just trying to bring the full potential of what I already have. And I have seen over and over again, Andy, in business, in the faith-based community, in community service, just in families that that is a difference maker. It certainly is, I agree. And what was the process that you would take to identify those strengths? Obviously that is a process as well. And, and that probably takes some observing and maybe looking into some metrics, but you know, what are maybe some tips to, you know, if there's a new leader trying to identify those strengths and, and how to better position their team for success? Yeah, great question. So, you know, I, I use the Maxwell Method reports today mm -hmm. because it does have a page in there called Power Disk, which lets us see through seven different methods where somebody's natural area of giftedness is and strengths. Are they great in influencing others by speaking? Like, are they the person that they walk in the room it's, and, and everybody's like, Oh, they're talking. This must be good. Like <laughs> you just know when those folks walk in the room, everybody, you know, shuts up and listens. Or are they great at directing, right? Are they great at saying, okay, you do this, you do this, you do this. Like they're really good at not just giving orders, 
but doing it in such a way that number one, people want to execute. And the second thing is they're not sending them on a wild goose chase, that they really understand the big picture and having people do the right thing. Or are they really gifted in another example is in processing. So processing, these are people that are just have this high capacity for taking seemingly incongruent pieces of information and stringing them together in a logical pattern. And in the case of workflow, for example, that shows up in a process. So there are some people that's their natural area of giftedness. There are other people, they are naturally gifted at details. Now, that is not me. I'll give you a good example. My office manager is naturally gifted in details. And I, I look at grammar, for example, as optional. Like, I just want to make sure you know what I mean. And, oh, so if I'm supposed to put a comma here or there, who cares? You know what I mean. You know, right. figure it out. <laughs> right. But Brenda is so naturally gifted in details. So I hand off what I write to Brenda, and then she makes it grammatically correct. So that this way, the reader doesn't have to think too hard as they're trying to read through it without commas and periods and, you know, exclamation points and such. Um, so that's a detail. The other folks, there's some folks that are just naturally creative. They are gifted in the area of either create something that doesn't exist today or taking pieces of things that already exist today and recreating it into something magnificent. I mean, that really is an area of giftedness. There are other people, they are gifted. I have two more for you. <laughs> they are gifted in that area of persistence, that they are like a dog with a bone. They will not give up. They will keep at it. They will find a way through it, around it, underneath it, blow it up. Whatever they need to do, they will persist through it. And then the other area is relatability. That's what I spoke about before that there are some people that are just naturally relatable, that you, you meet them. And these are the folks that if you're online, let's say you're online at a Starbucks and you see a complete stranger talking to the person in front of you, they're probably naturally gifted in relatability, that person in front of you. They literally give off the vibe, if you will, that, hey, I'm a nice person, I'm open, you know, come talk to me, where there are others of us that we're online at Starbucks, and when the person walks up to the menu that they've been looking at for the past seven minutes while they're online, and they still get up to the, to the barista and they can't figure out what they want to order, we're trying to help them order. Like, well, what do you usually drink? Well, where do you usually get your coffee? Like, we're trying to help them along, you know? Yeah. But these naturally relatable people are very open they're great listeners, they're great connectors, and they build deep relationships with people. So I tend to use the Maxwell Method Report because it has an advantage for me as a leader to be able to see not just what are their natural areas of strengths, but it also helps me to connect the dots on how that can serve the organization and also Am I hitting what motivates them the most as well? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's key, building those deep relationships. And, and that's, that's a nice segue into my next topic is, is collaboration. I think that's so important. And, and by collaboration, I mean, you know, face-to-face, actually talking to people because I think, you know, as time has gone on, obviously we have a lot of technology where, you know, you can ping people, you can text people, you know, we can do all of these things. But I think it's really, really important that we have a culture you know, where people are interacting with one another, especially if they're sitting right next to each other. We, we don't want to build some type of oh, yeah. um, situation where, you know, they're sending emails when they're sitting right next yep. to each other. <laughs> oh my gosh. Absolutely. I was on a tour recently of a company. This cracked me up. And, you know, they take you for the, like, here's our executive offices, right? It's kind of like show and tell. And then they take me into this massive room with just cubicles, like rows and rows of cubicles. And they're like, yeah, this this is how this is where our call center and our marketing team, and they were kind of laying out, you know, product group, like all the groups that are in there. And I and we he brought me over to a person and we were kind of like looking over this order entry person's shoulder. And uh, and they were taking an order, and when they were finished with the order, they were sending they sent an email to somebody about a piece of the order. And he was like, you know, hey, so-and-so, you know, explain to Deb here kind of what you just did. So she was explaining. She said, yeah, I needed to send to Sue, you know, these special instructions. I'm like, oh, that's great. What department is Sue in? And Sue is the cubicle right next to her. (laughs) And Sue picks her head up and she goes, well, here I am. Here I am. And I thought, this is like gopher holes. Like, <laughs> we're, we're, we literally are sitting side by side. And I understand you need to attach the instructions with the order. I get that, right? No, no problem there. But when our primary method of communication has little human interaction, we're not building connection. We're, it goes yeah. back to that book that I said, you know, John wrote, everyone communicates if you connect. We may be communicating, if you want to use that term, we're sharing information, but we're really not connecting. And that deep connection, when we do it right, Andy, and, and I'm sure you see, it builds relationships. And those relationships allows us to be able to have people be more engaged and to care more about helping me with my special order. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, everybody wants to connect. Everybody, you know, um, wants to come in to work and, you know, and, and be in a great environment. And I think if, if you don't have that, then that could really hurt the, the team overall and morale and, and ultimately the results. So uh, I can't stress that enough how important that is. Um, so I, I think that's just so important. And, and speaking of importance, um, in addition to, you know, some of the things we've talked about, uh, the growth and collaboration, what are some important qualities uh, to have in a leader? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the, that question, I could spend an hour talking about that question. because, And the yep. reason I'm saying that is a lot of it, you know, I, I'll go through some fundamentals, but a lot of it is also very situational. So I'll give you an example. Right now, you and I are recording this podcast as the world is sort of gyrating around coronavirus, right? Yeah. And in a situation that we find ourselves in today, one of the important leadership qualities is to be a calm leadership voice that is willing to listen to your team 
And sometimes in listening to our team, they're going to have what we might judge to be unrealistic fears. But it's still their fears. So in a, in a situation of this, of this type, it may require that a leader is a much better listener. Mm-hmm. In a situation of, if God forbid, Andy, you and I are in a room together, conference space, and there's a fire. I don't know that I need to worry about your fear. I need to get your neck out of that room as quickly as possible. Right. So I will yell, I'll scream, I'll drag you if I need to, right? So you need a more command leader. So circumstantially, certain circumstances do require a little bit higher level of one competency versus another. John Maxwell actually wrote a great book called The 21 Indispensable Qualities of a Leader. And I'm just going to read off a couple of them to you because the very first one, if this one isn't in place, the others really don't matter. And the very first one is character. If as a leader, we don't have good character, it's going to be very difficult for us to have a lot of people following us and wanting to work alongside us because character and integrity start to build trust. So that is one of the keys. The other is commitment. That as a leader, I have to commit long before I'm asking you to commit. I should be modeling exceptional commitment to the rest of the team, not because I'm trying to model it, but because it's really who I am. I'm a committed person, you know? (laughs) The next is one of the most important foundational pieces of leadership I have found is communication. Because if we cannot effectively communicate, and I don't mean sending text or, you know, sliding into somebody's DMs or sending an email. (laughs) I really am talking about being able to connect with another individual. If we cannot do that effectively, it is going to be very challenging for us to be able to lead effectively. And there are others, like, you know, what a competency. So if you're a subject matter expert in an area, there's a level of competence as a SME, you know, you and I have to build up. And if we don't build it up, Sometimes it can become really awkward for us to try to lead people in that direction if they don't feel that we're as competent as they are in that area. Mm-hmm. And a couple of others of my favorites, like I said, listening is an important. But one of the most important ones is teachability. It goes back to what I said earlier about one of my first leadership lessons was that as leaders, we never arrive. If we really want to aspire to the highest level of leadership potential that we have personally, that our ability to be teachable and to keep learning allows us to keep leading. And, you know, there should always be a yellow sort of flag in our mind if we're trying to lead people, but we're not also learning alongside them in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think, yeah, you definitely have to continue learning as the leader as well. I absolutely love that message. Now, you brought up the the coronavirus, and I think this is actually an interesting discussion um, because also, you, you know, you talked about those important qualities. I think in an environment where we're seeing a lot of, you know, some companies are moving completely work from home. There's some schools that are moving completely online. Making that mm-hmm. connection is a little bit different when, you know, you're not going to be, you know, in a room with somebody or, you know, you're not going to be in the same office in that type of environment. 
that kind of throws things off a little bit because, you know, you're just so used to that, but there's not really a handbook for these type of things because this is kind of a new thing that we're going through right now with the coronavirus and the unknown of what's going to happen with it. But as a leader, I think you do have to be uh, a little bit more creative and, and try to do as much as you possibly can in a virtual environment to create those connections. Yeah, I, 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 love, I love that you said that. I think it's also, it's creativity for sure. It's also intentionality. Yeah. We have to be much more intentional. And I'll, I'll use an example. On September 11th, you know, um, I was working in my office and, uh, you know, everything in the world changed at that moment. We had, uh, we have had a design center in New York City and Manhattan. Uh, we had people that were in and around the Trade Center. I had family members um, that were in and around the Trade Center. And uh, I had had word that a cousin of ours, uh, my husband's cousin, firefighter, um, no one had heard from him. And all this was happening, and we had employees that were flipping out, of course. We had uh, employees that lost family members uh, during September 11th. And it was a tough day. And, um, you know, we ended up, of course, you know, letting team members go. And there was, you know, like, go home, go be with your family. And I'll never forget this moment, Andy. This was a huge leadership lesson to me. So throughout the day, you know, I was trying to be that calm leadership voice in the organization, sympathetic, listening. Meantime, you know, I had a 13-year-old daughter who was flipping out because her school closed. And uh, I had to have her go to a neighbor's house. I had my husband, um, he couldn't, he, he runs a school. He couldn't leave his school because he needed to make sure all the children got picked up, right? And meanwhile, we're getting word that we can't find my cousin, the firefighter. And uh, it was about seven o'clock at night and we're getting ready to close up. And I walked by the CEO's office and I was getting ready to leave. And he called me in, Al, and he said, hey, Deb, like, yeah, you, you heading out now soon? And he said, yeah, yeah, so, soon enough, soon enough. He goes, um, how you doing? And I said, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You know, everybody's gone. You know, every, you know, everything's under control. Orders, customers, you know, I started <laughs> rattling off the business stuff, right? right. And he said, no, Deb, how are you doing? And I stopped and I was like, you know, tell you the truth. I, I'm a little concerned. You know, we can't find my cousin. Yeah. Um, trying to find him. We don't know what's happening where, you know, communications were down at that point. We didn't really know it. And um, ultimately he ended up, it, he had passed away when he went into the buildings. And, um, but it was at that moment, I realized that as leaders, sometimes in difficult situations, like right now what we're experiencing with the coronavirus, we have people that are working remotely. And we think that sending emails and text messages is staying connected. I encourage every leader today that I speak with, pick up the phone and call your direct report. Call each of them, check in with them. Hey, how you doing with all this? Just ask that question. How you doing with all this? Sometimes there may be a need that they have that you can help fill. I had somebody um, I was on the phone with yesterday and uh, it was an HR director for a very large organization in the Midwest. And when I was on the phone with him, he's like, oh, I'm doing all right. You know, he goes, I got to tell you, the most frustrating thing for me 
is, you know, I have my 76 year old dad who lives alone and I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, I, how am I going to get over it? I got to get this, I got to get food in his pantry, you know, <laughs> like, you know, he's panic stricken. I got to get food in his pantry. So I'm like, well, you know, let me, let me have my, my admin kind of work up and see what delivery services. I know I use one here in New York. Maybe there's some delivery services. You could just kind of go online and place an order and have it delivered. Let me, I'll have her send you a list. Totally outside of the scope of what our right. conversation would have been. But that was a need he had. That was, a, uh, that was an overriding concern on his brain. It was well worth, well worth taking time out to do. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, it's so rewarding too, you know, to, to see that um, reaction. And, and I've actually had that same experience where I, I'm, I'm like you when somebody asks like how I'm doing at work, I start naming off like things about work. And then they say, no, how are you doing? And, you know, then, you know, I get a little bit more personal. I think that is great uh, to do as a leader because, you know, it really shows that you care about the person and, you know, you really care about what they think about, you know, whatever it is. So I uh, love that example. Thank you for sharing that. <clears throat> now, um, last thing I wanted to talk about, obviously, uh, you know, you're Vice President of Systems and Process Integrations of the John Maxwell Enterprises. Uh, we had the chance to talk to Mark Cole on this podcast recently. Um, what is your relationship been like working with Mark and also John, obviously, as well? I know John Maxwell has been uh, played a big part in your life. Uh, what has your relationship been with them? Oh, my gosh. Oh, I don't know where to begin. I, it's so <laughs> funny with John, you know, since the mid-90s, and I've been reading John's books and watching videos and, and listening cassettes back then, um, and still today, you know, I, I feel that uh, and and I've actually shared with John that he's responsible for any anything I was successful in in that corporate world because I was using his material as my MBA, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I finally had an opportunity, when they started the John Maxwell team, and I became a licensed partner with them back in uh, 2011, and I'll never forget when we went to the very I went to my very first event and. John walks in the room and I, you know, you would have thought he was like a rock star to me, right? Like I was a fan girl and having the blessing of since then to be, you know, to know John, to be in his company on many occasions, to have business discussions with John, um, to hear what he's kind of, how he's moving as a leader. It has only made me better and it helped me to see a big picture. Now with Mark, what's so amazing with Mark, Mark Cole is single-handedly one of the most intentional, connected leaders I have ever in my entire life. And I'm 62, man. <laughs> I've been a lot of leaders. I have ever had the opportunity to be in the presence of. Mark is someone who has this infectious desire to help the people around him to be better. Mm-hmm. But he comes at it from such a place of service. And uh, when the John Maxwell um, enterprise was starting to consolidate under one business umbrella, it became far more than a financial, you know, fiscal sort of let's all bring everything into one series of books <laughs> piece. It was really, you know, how do we, how do we as an enterprise work collectively in a more co- collaborative way 
because it's natural to be more siloed when you have very specific business results you're delivering. And uh, when Mark and I spoke at the end of last year and he asked me if I would take on this role um, for them, I was first of all humbled, honored for sure, but also excited because Andy, to be truthful, when I look back at my corporate career in working globally and having different brands in different markets, that that was preparation for everything that I'm doing now. So I am excited and frankly, I'm more excited than ever knowing that today in this world, great leaders and great communicators are needed now more than ever before. And that's why I'm really excited to work with both John and Mark and our entire organization, because we have had just the most amazing people join that are eager to do the exact same thing. Well, that's a fantastic team. Um, now that I've had the, you know, the chance to interview you and, and Mark, and uh, obviously I've been watching uh, John for a, a long time. Um, it's a fantastic team, and we're so grateful that uh, you were able to come on to this podcast. Actually, last question, Deb, but where can people find more information about uh, what you're up to these days? Yeah, well, they could always... Um you know, check me out on LinkedIn. So it's LinkedIn slash LinkedIn.com slash Deb, I-N-G-I-N-O. Or you can go to strengthleader.com. Strengthleader.com. Yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, Deb, I feel like we could go on for hours and hours about uh, a lot of different topics. Uh, so, but I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk to us on the Let's Be Real podcast. So thank you again for, for joining us. Thanks, Sandy. Thanks, Sandy.